Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. Really want to... <clears throat> Lord, I just thank you for this season, and I thank you so much for what you're saying and have provided for us. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that with the Word of God and by your glorious anointing, you would bring forth what we are to enter in, to see, to enjoy, to participate in. And I thank you that you are in charge. So we just give ourselves to that posture of listening, hearts ready to receive. And may we turn to what we see, hear, and understand. And Jesus, you'll meet us. You'll heal us. You'll free us. You'll deliver us. You'll do a great work in our midst. As you have already done, now do it again and do it in a new way. Do it today. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning while I was sleeping, I'm so grateful uh, for the way the Lord ministers to me, both in the Word, both in spirit, both in prayer and in dreams. I was waking up with a very pleasant, very joyful, peaceful season of sleeping. I always think of Jeremiah in chapter 31 when a lot of times when the most multitude of revelations flowing or, or conflicts are going, you can your soul can get in its own complicity with it. And then there's those times when God's ready to release a good word for his people that there's a sweetness that comes into your sleep. For Jeremiah, when he woke up, the next thing he starts to declare is the new covenant and prophesies of a new relationship that God would have with us, not from the letter of the law, but by the Spirit. And, and so uh, I was excited about that. When I woke up, I heard this word uh, keep coming back, come inside this Christmas. Let's come inside this Christmas. And I knew what it meant because of my dreaming was inside Jesus, inside Christ. Come inside Christ this Christmas. Come inside. And it flows, flows with where we are. Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. Uh, I read this all the time. I but I saw this the last time I was reading it. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Then it begins, Abraham begot Isaac. But back to verse 1 was what caught my attention. The genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. I'd like, if the Lord permit, to go quickly through that genealogy, why those two men are mentioned. Then we get all the people in between them, but these two, why? And I think when we see that, the significance of what God was bringing will not only be received, but what he has accomplished will even be uh, easier to enter into. So if you can go with me to Genesis chapter 3, just two verses, 14 and 15. The, the emphasis will be on hearing the word seed because God determined at the fall of man before the creation of man, he knew man would fall and he knew it was worth it to rescue man from fallen creation into a new creation through himself becoming man. He understood it all. So he was not surprised. And when he now addresses the problem, which was initiated through Satan... It said, he said, so the Lord God said to the serpent, because you've done this, 
You are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Now, I know most of us will know this is the first promise of the Messiah. This is the first promise of God sending his son. And that's how this declaration is declared. And it's not a promise to the woman. It's a, it's a declaration of God saying, we're going to deal with this. I'm going to take all your authority away through the seed of the woman. So now go with me to Genesis uh, chapter uh, 22, verse 15 and 19. Now, we understand, I don't want to give you a whole, you know, medical storyline, but women don't carry seed. Men carry seed. Women have an egg. A seed and an egg make a child. So this was a prophetic speaking to the virgin birth to what God would do. And God was now in a large way outside looking in. Creation had been taken into the, under the sway of the evil one and the world was under his sway and all of its glory was given to... So he's now going to find a way to regain entrance and he has to get it voluntarily. So he comes to Abraham. He's the man that begins to believe God. And because he believes God, God says, this will be what I call righteousness, and a journey ensues. Finally, Abraham's 99, and it's time for Sarah, who's 90, for time for the birth to come. And uh, now the promised child has come. Now he's about 11 to 13. And God says to Abraham, I want you to take your child, your son, Isaac, your only son, the one you love, and I want you to offer him on a mountain as a burnt offering. Because God was going to do all that was called of him to do with the partnership of man giving permission where man needed to give. So Abraham goes up. He offers his son. You know the story. An angel stops him, says, now I know that you are fear God, so you don't have to do, carry this out. It's been carried out by faith. It is, And then he comes to Abraham, verse 15, a second time, right on this mountain where the temple later would be built. And he said, by myself, well, excuse me, verse 15, I love again, because, no, he said the second time. And he said, by myself, I have sworn. There are only two men that are given a sworn oath by God concerning the seed coming through their loins, Abraham and David. That's why this is pro pronounced in Matthew 1. It says, by myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and not withheld your son, your only son, blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore, and your descendants shall possess the gates of your enemies. And in your seed... All nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have done, you have obeyed my voice. So he swore an oath seven times himself. It is a very big deal when God makes an oath. And this 
permission given by the Abraham to sacrifice his son would be the authority God would have when it came time to take the seed that had now come, uh, the permission given through Abraham, we'll see in David, and now he could put his son on, uh, on because the son of the natural born, the, the Jesus, the Messiah, the, the God, the son who becomes son of man is of the seed of David and of the seed of Abraham. So he's been given permission. Now David comes along in 2 Samuel. I don't want to go there. I'll just go to Acts chapter 2, verse 30. David comes along, and he's a worshiper of God. He's a lover of God. He's a pursuer. He has won the heart of God, and he wants desperately to build a temple to have a place of worship. And uh, in second, I won't, we won't go there, but you can read the story in 2 Samuel 7. But he is, um, goes to Nathan and says, I want to build a house for God. And God, and Nathan says, wow, it's a great idea. Go for it. Follow your heart. And God stops and interrupts Nathan that evening and says, go tell Abraham, go tell David this. And in effect, what he simply says is, you'll not build my house, your son will, but I will build your house because you've done this thing. And Acts chapter 2, verse 30, on the day of the, of the, of the birth of the church, this declaration is recounted of David. Therefore, David, we're speaking of being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, would, he would raise up the Christ to sit on the throne. He makes promises to David because of David's desire for the reign of God in the earth and in Israel. He says, I'm going to have your son sit on my throne. That's why it says, when the Lord said to my Lord, sit on my right hand till I make your enemies a footstool. Even Jesus referred to that scripture, Psalm 110, to indicate to the Pharisees, he can't really be David's son. He's David's son according to the flesh. But he really isn't David's son because how would David then say, the Lord said to my Lord? He was a prophet. He heard the conversation of heaven. God, Jehovah, Hashem, said to Adonai, Jesus, sit at my throne after the resurrection. So it was, it was an imagery, and it was a promise, and it was given by an oath. Very important. So we have two men who were gained an oath promise to have come forth through the flesh, Jesus, the Messiah. Now I want to take you to um, Galatians 3, 16 and 29. Uh, yeah, 3, 16. This, now we're post-resurrection. And we're, the new, the new church is grappling with, okay, who are we? How are we? Why are we? How have we come to this? There was a rapid embrace of revelation of the Messiah which I'm really in deep prayer is going to come all over Israel again in the midst of this conflict and all over Ishmael again in the midst of this conflict and all over the church again, this wonderful uh, miracle, which is going to be a bigger miracle than the miracle in one way, I think. At least I think it's got to feel harder. As we were reading yesterday, I don't know if you got to read, but we were in Zechariah, uh, and God starts to say, I'm going to, uh, I had to deal with 
Israel and Jerusalem in discipline. But now that I'm in a rebuild mode, boy, am I going to do something good. I'm going to do something. I'm going to bring them, everybody from everywhere, however far they've scattered, I'm bringing them back, and I'm going to secure them. I'm going to rejoice over them. I'm going to build them. And I'm, that's the spirit we're in. I can feel it over our homes, families, lives, and in the living church. And then he says to, through Zechariah, he says, now, if you think this is a marvelous thing, which I'm thinking, yeah, that's huge for you to do that. He says, is it a marvelous thing for me? Meaning like, would God do a miracle of regathering his people, bringing them into faith, bringing them into Christ, and bringing them into the, back to their home? He's going to go, whoa, that was a hard miracle. Man, I'm tired. I need a break. No, he's saying, it is marvelous in your mind, but it's nothing for me. This is important because this is part of where the church is coming to is the surrender and trust inside of rest, inside of ceasing from our labors to enter into his rest, being still to know that he is God. So now Moses, or excuse me, Paul is dealing with the church has been brought into a covenant relationship through Christ but are wanting to return to old thinking, old patterns, and he's trying to address that. So he says, now, to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say, and to seeds, not descendants, not to a lineage of people, but to the seed, as, not to seeds as of many, but as to one, and to your seed, who is Christ. So this promise, this oath was made to Abraham, to David, to the seed. And the last uh, verse of that chapter 29 gives us an inclusion because of faith. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So we are in something. I just feel like we're in something that God just wants to announce wherever someone can listen because it's so much better and bigger than that we had a chance to, to, to fully experience. We'll talk about the details of the humanity of bringing forth a, a Christ, a child, a baby. But that's next week. Let's go on. Chapter 4, verse 1. Paul says... Now, I say that the heir, as long as he's a child, and he's trying to bring a striking separation, which way do you, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is the master of all, but is under guardians, stewards, until the time appointed to the father. So like children, they're under discipline to grow up into that place until appointed by the father. Even so, we, when we were children, were in the bondage under the elements of the world. That's where we become very, you know, submitted to learning the ways and functionality, math, facts, everything. But when the fullness of time had come. Now, this is where this message came three weeks ago in the midst of prayer. I stepped into the prayer and Larry brought up, it's the fullness of time. God's speaking to the fullness of time. Now, the fullness of time is the word chronos. It's not a kairos. There's, most of what we're in is the fullness of kairoses. We'll talk about that at the end. But right in this moment, he says, there was a set date for, the, for, the, for God 
to put a seed into Mary, for Mary to be on the earth, for Elizabeth to carry the seed of Zacharias, and for John the Baptist to be born. It was a set time. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. This is the first birth of Jesus. He's coming fully inside the flesh and fully under the law to redeem those who were under the law. First and foremost, that's to Israel. And that we might receive the adoption as sons. Now, adoption is a huge, it was not like, uh, it was a recognition of sonship, not just because you were born into the family, but because now you have been given your place inside family. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. I don't think we can ever get old enough that we don't need to keep saying, Abba, Father. Can we say it? Say it. Just say it. Abba, Father. Abba, Father. You know, when Jesus is in the Gethsemane, he says, Abba, Father. Sweet. In the most important time, Abba, Father. So that's crying in our heart. And that sound is, we learn the sound. It's like we learn to say what we're hearing being said. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. This is, we're born into this. This is the position that now God is holding us in Christ. Christ is, remember, seated at the right hand of, the, of, the, of majesty. He is the, uh, the new, and, uh, new creation, the, lit, the life-giving spirit. He is Lord. He's Messiah, anointed. He is high priest. He's the king of righteousness, king of peace. He's all of this rule. And this is whom we are related to. That's why we set our mind on things above. That's why we, we, uh, we expect God said, I'm going to make a place for you, Jesus said, and where I am you will be. We, we, en we endeavor to live from that heavenly realm. So he says, you are no longer a slave but a son than an heir through God. So if you'll allow me one more place, go to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. I know I've taken this a long way, but I'm, I, I, my hope is that from the fall to the marriage, we can, we can cover and then go, wow, okay, where I am in the Christmas story, inside Christ, is to relate and with gratitude, thanksgiving, and submission to the working of the Spirit to accomplish. Because I said it's a miracle to place God's seed inside the womb of a teenage girl. But I believe the bigger miracle it would appear to me marvelous in my eyes, will be for the Christ to be seen in the womb of the church, to be manifest amongst believers on the earth and in heaven in a singular one sound oneness that will demonstrate to the earth again the Messiah and precludes his second appearing. I just... I read a long time ago, and it's always meant, meant a lot to me. 
the problem was stated, this is back in the latter rain movements, back in the 50s, said that Christ will appear in his church before he appears for his church. He's bringing a maturity inside his body that will allow the body to be ready for marriage. He's not going to get us ready for marriage in heaven. We're being prepared to be married by, by making our garments white through the tribulations we've walked through, applying the blood of Jesus effectively and knowing that what has been granted Christ in the resurrection is now ours to accept in this life, even if we are pressing through the same obstacles he pressed through. But we are in agreement and submitted and, and living inside of in Christ. So Ephesians, I don't think there's a, a, a declaration that's so perfect as Ephesians chapter 1 of who we are and who we've become. So he begins by saying, Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. We could spend a week here. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places inside Christ. Now, I'm the introductory goal at the end is that we release the blessing to one another being inside Christ and receive the blessings one from another because we are inside Christ. It's, it's, it's in, I know I've not experienced it, but I'm practicing it daily. Just as he chose us in before the foundation of the world, that we would be, should be holy and without blame before him in love. So when, before time began, before the foundation, God said, I've got, I've got a destiny for my, my people, and they're going to be holy, they're going to be blameless, they're going to live in my presence before me inside of love, in Christ, in him. It's all in him. Uh, having predestined us to adoption, as sons by Jesus Christ or through Jesus Christ to himself. So father was saying, I'm, I'm going to have a family and through my son, I will have many, bring many sons into glory and completion. And I'm, they're going to come full adoption and it's according to the good pleasure of my will. It's, I just, I'm, I want it. I'm going to do it. I will pay for it. I'll accomplish it. I will manifest it. I will demonstrate it. It will be. To the praise of the glory of the, his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved, which is so huge. Again, I know that these terms, they can seem like, well, what does that have to do with my life? It's a misery right now. Well, I found that by believing the truths of who Christ is and opening the door to enter in fellowship with him, the miserable life that I'm in is no longer miserable. And I'm filled with joy and I'm filled with victory. And I'm, I, it's like forever expansive. Like, for instance, this verse. Think about this. It was the same day we had that revelation flowing in prayer. That's why I love intercession. It's just so much light flows. But all of a sudden I'm saying, I'm accepted in the beloved when I accept the beloved. To the level I can accept the beloved is the level I can experience acceptance in the beloved. I can be loved in the beloved one. I can be graced in the graced one. And, and so 
Faith is not trying to believe something. Faith is receiving truth for being spoken. Whether I can prove it or provide it, I just say, I accept it. I'm accepted. So we're accepted in the beloved. In through adoption, sonship, accept in the beloved. That's new birth. Boom, bam. Now comes maturity, growth from the day we say yes. From that day on, here we go. In him, in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. When we talk about redemption in the scripture, we're talking about sons returning to their position in the family and to their home. It is not the new birth. It is recovering the sons that get lost. And I don't know about you, but I can get lost two or three times in a day. In my soul, in my emotions, in my mind, in my thoughts, in fear, I'm like the Shulamite that I'm one moment saying, I want to move further into the intimacy of God and let's go into the beginning budding of new things. And then all of a sudden I have a panic moment and my soul takes off and drives me like a chariot running far, far away. And I then fall into such, oh gosh, I can't believe I did that again. How do I always do this? And then all of a sudden the voice of the beloved saying, come, come. Come, come, show yourself, show yourself, show yourself. It's all the way back to the garden. But this time, it's all inside a relationship that cannot be undone. And the Shulamite says, what do you want to see in me? The dance of double-mindedness? And he, the beloved says to the Shulamite, oh, your feet are beautiful in sandals. He just undoes it. Everything we think is keeping us from where God wants us to be is not keeping us at all. The only thing that's keeping us is wrong thinking, is disengagement, to not accept something. I mean, literally, there is no issue except receiving all that God has accomplished versus the mixture that we keep trying to operate from. What do I mean mixture? I mean, well, it's up to me. I've got to do my part. I've got to redo this. I've got to do that. If I don't do this, and God isn't going to do that. No, God did everything. Everything has been accomplished in the Son. I am learning to submit to the everything. I'm learning to be dependent and, and trusting in his all-sufficiency so that I cease from my labor, my busy busyness. That's, that's all part of the fall. I mean... The beginning of the creation, everything was provided for inside of glory. It will be the same inside of Christ as the church grows up. We will be walking in some really uh, a glorious uh, substance. But the, the conflict that immediately happens is, oh, I'm naked. Oh, I'm afraid. Oh, I'm sh- ashamed. Oh, now the earth doesn't work for me. I got to... I gotta, beat at it to try to make it, I got to scratch at it, try to get some fun. Now I've got strife in my home. My wife wants my job. I won't have her. I don't trust her. She doesn't trust me. We're in a, we're in a contention. And the devil is just, ah, that's the planet we're walking through. Though it has been subdued officially through Jesus Christ, God has given us the opportunity to agree with those moments, those truths, and see them grow up. So he's redeeming us. Every day, come on, redeemed of the Lord. Get on the highway of holiness. Come sing. Come rejoice. Let that sorrow, let that sighing flee away. Rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. And this is 
all through the riches of his grace. So he said, listen, my relationship will always be the same relationship that I have with my son will be your relationship you have with me in my son. And it's going to just, it's expansive. That which he made, now this grace, he made to abound. Now we're stepping beyond, in a lot of ways where I am, for sure. Bounding in wisdom and prudence. There's wisdom in the riches of grace. Wisdom is the big picture of what God's doing way beyond the moment I'm in. And prudence is the deep thought of what he's working and bringing forth and the birth that he's creating, things that I wouldn't be able to grasp except by the grace. Then he says, having made known to us the mystery of his will. It's more than the Christmas story that we were celebrating. The mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure. Can everything is from Father's intent. Everything is his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. He, he said, I, I make the oath, I, make this, I promise, I swear by myself seven times, I will do this. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times. Now here it is kairos, but it's still the fullness. The two fullnesses in the New Testament, the fullness to bring Jesus Christ from heaven to the earth and the fullness of bringing all things now fully into Christ. In the fullness of the dispensation of time might gather together. Now, tell me if this won't be a miracle. I used to look at this and go, I have no, I have no grid to even believe it. But now I, I see it everywhere. I see the inklings of God. I see the readiness of the Spirit. It's, it's no different than looking backwards and seeing Genesis 1, 1, and getting to Genesis 1, 3, when once God said, once he had done his work, Spirit done their work, and he said it was time, he said, like me. Well, that's how fast this, this maturity will happen if, if necessary. And yet for those of us groping and seeking, we're learning so much of, of, of eternal disciplines that I know will service well in the, in the millennial. But he says, he might gather together in one, literally sum up everyone into one. Not all things into Christ. So, so, so imagine, we're the living body of Christ, yet we've been given autonomy enough that we can live independent of one another to whatever degree we want, benefits that will be forfeited because we decide to dissipate and, dis- and disappear. But if we endure and we go together, there is, there is a summing up. There is a readiness. And one day, I hope to be and plan to be and have been promised I will be inside the new Jerusalem, the bride of Christ. And that is a city 1,400 miles high, 1,400 miles wide, 1,400 miles long. It's a cube where God says, I want all of my living church to be so compacted together. And we won't even have a temple there. We won't need a sun there. We won't need a moon there. We will just let the light of God will be its light. And the Christ will be the lamp that illuminates. And you won't be crowding out going, well, I wonder where I'm going to be. You already have a place from the foundation of the world where you're to be. So he goes on, he says, everything in heaven, on earth, all together, sum it up, bring them into one. 
When I first discovered this about seven years ago, I realized, you mean all the struggles I'm having right now, all the things I'm trying to sort out, all the things I need to do, not do, what am I going to do? You said, wait a minute. This is the will of God? This is the will of God? Just bringing everything into Christ, into one? Me and everyone else into one? So I did this. I was walking, and I said, Lord, I surrender. And I just paused, and I just released myself into this work, which wouldn't, wouldn't that sound a lot like what the rapture will feel like when that day comes, the resurrection from the dead? And I could just say, okay, I don't, I don't hold that place. I'm like the Shulamite. I run out of it, but I'm learning to live there much more. He says, in him also. Now, I get this. A billion, two billion, three billion living souls compacted together, a living temple, a body, uh, a bride, a family. Boom. Wouldn't that be chaotic? Just to throw us all together into a big box? No, because by the time we get in the big box, we will all be, have yielded so perfectly to Jesus Christ. There will be no more fear, no more jealousy, no more envy. We will just be going, I'm in the place God accomplished me. He's revealed who I am in him. Because he goes on and he says, we also have obtained an inheritance being predestined according. Now, this one is so strong. God's saying, I gave you an inheritance, and I didn't ask you if you like it. You're going to love it. But while you go through it, your soul is going to probably go, eh. But after you suffered a while, and I perfect what I've done in you, and strengthened you, established you, then you'll go, oh, the genius of God is who I am, always have been. My soul now is fully saved in service to this glorious purpose. This one, oh, is perfect. But we can practice this beginnings. Predestined inheritance in Christ. Inheritance in Christ. In Christ, we have inheritance. Predestined, so that means way before, according to the purpose, that means it's of him, that's our Father, who works all things, not some things, not most things, all things according to the counsel of his will. There is no mistake where we will be and how we will get there and God's completeness in bringing us into that. He goes on, he says, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. So the, the, the Paul speaking in effect that for Israel the Jew who believes, first the Jew, then the Gentile. We are the first who trusted. What that brings is praise to his glory. Trust, yielding, releasing the struggle, letting go of the conflicts, not fighting the issues that are, that are, that are threatening us, but coming into the Christ and saying, Lord, the fullness. So we first trusted the Christ. It's going to be praise to his glory. So the glory of God went fully entered into is seen as trust, just a rest. In him also you trusted. That's now speaking of us. After you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Imagine this, the Holy Spirit sealing us, sealing us, 
saying, you're mine. You have a place. You'll never be misstepped, misappropriated. Doesn't matter what journey I take you through or what journey you insist on going through. I've got you, and I'm not letting you go until the completion of everything. And he says, this is the promise, Holy Spirit. I give him. He's my guarantee. He's the down payment. And he's the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. The purchased possession means full acquisition. It's like if a house is in escrow, it's yours, but there's a lot of things that can come in and out and fall in and fall out. But when the escrow closes, it's the full acquisition. You've got, we have the keys and we can move in. That's what will look like in the final day is the full acquisition of, to the praise of his glory. So let me wrap this up. There's a scripture in Psalm uh, 60, uh, no, 46. Think about the last verse, Barb. It says, uh, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted in the earth. I will be exalted in the earth, the nations in the earth. Be still and know that I'm God. The word still is a funny word. It's not like this. Like you. It literally means stop working. Let it go. I believe this is a scripture we get that famous statement. Let go. Let God. Let go. Let God. It's the same as Hebrews chapter 4 when it talks about that we're to strive to enter into his rest. And that he who has entered his rest has ceased from his labors, the effort of trying to um, get it. And I don't know about you, but Christmas time is a test to anyone's soul. My soul. We have five kids, seven grandkids. We've got places we have to be, people we have to see. Never can do it all at the same time. And then you got presents and packages and wrapping. And I always tell Cammie, it's three times the work in one month. And you, no matter how early you start, it's, you can't plan at all. And, and yet, this being still, being quiet, Letting go, entering into Christ. He is a summation. We've all had a lot of things happen in our life. There are regrets that we carry. There are offenses that have been leveled against us. There have been sins done against us, wicked, cruel, evil things. There are missteps that we each made. There are, it's just, it's a litany. And yet, None of them control our destiny. None of them speak to who we are inside of Christ. And if I am in Christ, all my problems are in Christ. All of my troubles are in Christ. All my unresolved conflicts are in Christ. But in Christ, they're all resolved, and they're all undone. So they don't control me in Christ. So the learning I'm learning and what I felt this morning extending it to each of us is come inside this Christmas. Come inside Christ. Let's just come inside Him. 
and behold him and see him. And the things that are wanting to carry us out of that truth, bring them in with us. Those unresponsive prayers that are yet to be fulfilled, prayers that have been answered yet to be fulfilled, just start to stay there. Let's stand together, please. Beloved, I know this is like, I would much rather control the world I'm in. <laughs> but then to be inside of the control of the one who loves me. But I believe with all my heart there is a, a, a demonstration of these truths coming into the body of Jesus that will be the power of evangelism, the miracles of healing, the life that flows not because of the desperation of the moment, but because the carriers of Christ. Filled with the Spirit, going about doing good, healing all who oppress of the devil. Lovers, atmosphere changers, carriers. So let's start by just, go raise your hand. If you will allow God take all the cares and all the concerns all the pain, all the regret, all the sin that you feel is so marred by. And lift it all, take it all away as we enter inside of Jesus Christ. Again, just accept Him. All of His sin, all the sorrow, the sign that flees away when I come back to Him, the Redeemer. Oh, letting go of the conflict. There's struggles, and the threat is if I do not engage in the struggle, then the struggle will overwhelm and take me out. And God says, no, engage in my son. I've already undone the struggle that's against you. Receive him. Be quiet. Let go. Be still. Know I'm God. Know I'm God here. I'm God here in this conflict at home. I'm God here in this conflict at work. I'm God here in the conflict of nations. Come into agreement. Let me be. Just for a moment, just before we bless one another, just let God bless us. This is worship. Let him just pull every part, hand anything and everything. Debts go away. Pain goes away. Sickness flees. Yes, here he is. Pulling us in. Holy 
receiving us completely, accepted. I'm going to ask is that we take a moment, the songs will sing, and release the blessing of completeness to one another in Christ, His completeness, that the missing parts will be found, the fragmentations of lives will be returned, literally, that there is such a summation coming, not one part of us will be forgotten, all of it will come under His glorious Lordship, and we could give away to each other. This will be a whole Christmas in Christ. And joy will fill your home. And hearts will. And you will sing. How, God will show us. Whoever we we'll take a moment. If you'll, we're going to break up just one or two people. And just release the Christmas blessing. That all that Jesus has accomplished, the Father has given, would be realized and experienced. It can come into practical blessing. It can come into joy, blessing, it release. But can we do that for like about two minutes and then I'll release the blessing for us to go home. Find one other person. Release the Christmas blessing, the wholeness. I'll do it with you guys online. Can you take me out of the house? My beloved brethren, inside of Jesus Christ, whom you have been given residence. You are accepted inside the beloved. There is no limitation in his acceptance of your life because your life is in, hidden with Christ in God. You died. I died. Death is a painful process. And there may be some real losses that have occurred that, that are just still cause a twinge. They're called the tears of the eyes that God wipes away trauma in our lives that God blots out with the anointing. I bless you this Christmas with trauma being blotted out of your life and tears being blotted from your eyes. I bless you to have an experiential knowledge that what God has accomplished in the Son is for you in full totality. Nothing is being kept back. Nothing is being uh, held back. Nothing has been lost. We cannot add to salvation, nor can we take away from salvation. So I bless you with the release of feeling, oh, I, the regrets have to go. The, the pain has to leave. The sorrow. There is not a thing that has occurred in our life that has now stopped us from the fulfillment of God in our life in Christ. Our life is fulfilled in Christ. It's called resurrection from the dead. And that's the journey we're all called into, is to be resurrected from the dead into newness of life, to the Zoe. And that is our destiny. I bless you with it. I bless you. If you're alone this Christmas, you're not alone. 
you're in Christ. If you're overwhelmed with more than you'll ever do, you're not overwhelmed. You're in Christ. Christ is enough. He will bring peace, rest, refreshing joy. I bless you. I bless you with inside Christ this Christmas. Come inside. Come inside. Come inside. Come inside. It's good inside. It's good. And your mind can rest, cease from your labors, enter into his rest. His word overarches all. And there we are, allowing that peace, that truth, to manifest in every way in Jesus' name. Amen. You can continue praying. I just want to release the blessing because I know a lot of things are ahead of us. So, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I release the blessing now given to me this morning. Come inside this Christmas. Come inside into the fullness of Christ, into the fullness of the dispensation of time, the summing up of all things together, all of us in one, in Christ, in heaven and on earth, in Him, to come inside. I bless these next seven days, the eighth days, when we take us all the way to the Christmas morning, that summation, completion, freedom, healings, uh, release from anxiety, joy, and peace will abound in every household and into our family, into children and grandchildren, into neighbors and neighborhoods, into nations. Oh, Lord, it is not marvelous in your eyes, though it will be marvelous in our eyes, which you're about to do. We glorify you now in Jesus' name. Amen.